and welcome to another uh, edition of Cathode Ray Mission uh, from Berkeley, California. I am Will Scoville. Uh, with me, as always, in Oklahoma City is Randy Heyer. Hey, Randy. Hey, Will. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's 71 degrees in beautiful Oklahoma <laughs> City right now. Hell yeah. Can't complain. Uh, and uh, with us today is a special guest. He is uh, the official uh, guest host of Nerd Rage the Great Debates, uh, amongst other things on that show. Uh, he is a commentator for Hood Slam and a stand-up comic. Uh, it is Wonder Dave. Hello, Wonder Dave. Hey. Wow. Uh, coming to us from San Francisco, uh, fancy mm. San Francisco, California. Rice town. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Randy's got the, the the Golden Gate Bridge Zoom backdrop. And to make uh, you guys feel more comfortable talking. Yeah, to me. I love it. <laughs> uh, the movie this week uh, I chose it's one that I recently discovered, um, and it is the 1981 George Romero motorcycle LARPing drama <laughs> epic. Night Riders. Yes. <laughs> this is Night Riders. Uh, starring uh, Ed Harris and featuring uh, many talented actors, including Tom Savini, uh, in a uh, in a supporting role, a very prominent supporting role, almost the yeah. co lead of the movie. Yeah, really. I, I would say. Um, so this this is one I discovered recently. It was brought up on an episode of Nerd Rage or during a recording at some point. Wonder Dave, I thought it was you, but it might not have been. Uh, so I sought it out, watched it, and I was like, who, whoever's, like, regardless of who said it, this is a Wonder Dave movie. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Wonder Dave, what did you think of this movie? Oh, man, uh, I will kick this off perhaps awkwardly because I, I think you guys both liked it more than me. Uh, <laughs> real, real mixed bag for me, uh, on this film, um, Here's the thing. This movie should just straight up be like a home run for me because I think Ed Harris is super talented. Love watching him do anything. Uh, I'm into George Romero uh, in general, fan of his zombie universe specifically. Um, I worked at a Renaissance fair and I love like behind the scenes carny shit. Uh, I'm into it. Uh, but the movie itself, I'm I'm at like about 50 percent there I think uh, throughout. Uh, there were definitely things that I enjoyed about it, but then there was other stuff. And a lot of to be fair, like and this is coming as someone who legitimately enjoys Ed Harris. I think a lot of the stuff I didn't like about the movie was Ed Harris and his character, wow. mm. um, which is upsetting to me. Uh, but it, I still enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't I didn't think it was a bad film. Um, it just, uh, it missed a few things for me, I guess. Yeah. That's a, it was missing. It was missing some stuff. Hmm. Now, Randy, you had a similar opinion when I first brought this movie up because you had seen this once before. That's correct. Once- yeah. My ex, she, uh, we used to, all right. Remember back in the olden days when you get DVDs? I think you could maybe still do that from Netflix, but uh, yeah. Blockbuster was doing their own version of that, and you could bring it. It was so awesome because you could, instead of mailing it back, return it to the store and walk out with the video from the store in return or whatever. But anyway, she rented this, and like there had been some movie before where they had misprinted the time, how long it was on the thing. So when I saw that 
this movie is two and a half hours long. I remember being like, well, this has got to be a misprint because this movie is about like a medieval fair and it has motorcycles and stuff. <laughs> it's, le- it's legit two and a half hours long. And at the time, I was probably like 26 maybe. I was not ready to receive its message. I found I thought it was the most glacially paced, like this and like Andre Rublev maybe are the two most just like, I know I should like this, but I just, for the life of me, I can't, I cannot jack in to what its message is. It's too, too fucking slow for me. And uh, so I hated it. And for years, it was an example for me of just like a movie that sucks. My cat is going nuts. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know if you can see this or hear this. It's all my business right now. But um, anyway, so watching it, I don't know. I'm just older. I've been through more stuff in my life maybe at this point. You know, I think it is kind of a movie for people who are in their mid-30s and above, you know. Or maybe you probably reach a point, like at 50, it stops being relevant to you even, you know. I don't know. I think we're, I'm in a real sweet spot for this movie to cut me deep, and it did this the other morning when I watched. I, I found myself weeping with joy several times at things <laughs> that happened in the movie. Like things that, you, you know when you watch a movie and you're like, man, I wish this thing would happen and it like rarely goes the way you want it to this i think that about five times in night riders stuff like got called back to or resolved in like such satisfying ways i thought it was kind of a fucking miracle honestly so i'm i've come around on this we'll get into it but that's my assessment up top (laughs) i uh i i kind of agree randy like the first time i watched this it was um it was slow. I don't even know if I finished it the first time. It was just kind of like, it was, it, it is two and a half hours long. And, you know, it, it is not, I mean, it is not really, whatever ex- expectations you might have coming into this thing, it's not going to be that movie that you think it's going to be. I saw this for the first time and I was like, man, two and a half hours. I didn't know what kind of a movie it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to be so like serious. Um, and so like, it, I don't. I don't think I finished it the first time, mm-hmm. uh, and so watching it again the second time, kind of knowing what to expect, uh, I really enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, I really got to sit with it and it kind of like explore the characters a little bit more, see how they develop, see how their relationship, how, how they, everyone just interacts with each other and talks to each other, um, and I think there's this moment at the end where you expect in most movies where, you know, the Tom Savini character would get, you know, his comeuppance or whatever mm. and would be yeah. defeated and, and in a lesser movie, but instead he's like, no, man, I'm, I'm part of the team and I lost my way, but here I am, I'm back and I'm going to stick with it because, uh, you're my guy. And, uh, and it was like, okay, all right, that's yes. a really happy ending for oh everybody. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and then Ed Harris goes and beats up a cop. Uh, yeah, well, hold on, let's, let's get it, like, yeah. I mean, no, it's just like, huh, all right. 
to, beats up a cop to the cheers of a bunch of people who maybe saw him ride a motorcycle who just happened to be hanging out at a fast food restaurant. It doesn't matter. They're cheering because a dude in a full suit of armor walked into a fast food restaurant <laughs> and just started whipping the shit out of this corrupt cop. Well, okay. Let's just get into it from the beginning then because you're talking about and the very end of the movie, that is one of the sweetest callbacks I've ever seen in a movie. Cause you just like, I thought that they for sure weren't going to go back to that, you know? Cause yeah. All right. Should oh, we no. just- I, I was very, that was actually, uh, the fact that they wrapped up so many things is on the positive side Yeah. Uh, of this film that I admittedly have negatives. And then the other uh, thing with the boy, oh my God, that was another thing where I just like, I started like, I just had tears like streaming down my face <laughs> watching this one movie. Thing, <laughs> one thing I'd like to say is that I don't think that George Romero gets enough credit for how good of a cinematographer he is. Mm. Um, that semi-truck scene at the end with the boy is so beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, and it's like the equivalent of a, just that, that like shot where Marilyn Monroe is yelling at Clark Gable from far away in a movie that the name I have now forgotten. Uh, the Misfits. Thank you. Uh, I was like, why can't? But it's like, it's like that shot where like it could have been done close, uh, but it absolutely should not have been. Yes. Um, and I was really glad that they made that choice. I thought it was way more interesting. Um, so for sure, and like the stunts and stuff. That's okay. Let's get into it. Here's one of the reasons why, for me personally, like when I think of 70s movies sometimes, and I'm like, I don't want to watch this because I think of like Broad Daylight, like Bad News Bears. (laughs) And these are movies I all love, but like when I was a kid, at least I had like an aversion to this kind of stuff that it's just such like, it's felt like it was like what my actual life was like where like living in Oklahoma where it's just like, the sun is blasting you from all angles. There's no shadows. And just like this whole movie is shot in like bright sunlight, you know? Yeah. And like there's a lot of set, it's sort of a smoking the bandit. This is like a 70s aesthetic. This is 81, I guess. But yeah. So that was a big turnoff for me in my mid 20s, the look of it. Mm. This time around, I loved it. You know, I don't know. I was able to, whatever was wrong about that, I got over because. The, you have to take the movie on, on its own terms, I, like very much so with this movie. And it's cool how they film a lot of stuff. Like the opening is kind of a joke, I think, where it looks like it's actual medieval times and then he gets on, it pans down and he's on a motorcycle or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of like stuff like that that is badass and would have been cool if, uh, I almost said Stan Lee, if George Romero had made like Excalibur or something, mm-hmm. you know? Like the part where he's holding the sword... And it's touching the breastplate of the dude, the black sparrow, oh, man. and the blood is going down the sword. That's like art, you know. I mean, yeah, that was incredible. What Dave was saying about like the cinematography in this movie. Some of the shots were just fucking unbelievable. I thought, and it just looked. It made what this is look so fucking cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it is such a weird movie, and so. Essentially, it's it's like a traveling show, but they're also like kind of this weird utopian society commune type of thing. Cultish, almost a bit, yeah. And so, yeah. well, he actually says in the film that like people think he's sort of a Jim Jones type mm-hmm. character, yes. and that he finds that upsetting. 
I was like, yeah. Well, maybe if you didn't act like that, people wouldn't yeah. think that you fucking weirdo. <laughs> like, <laughs> he is. He's so intense. There's some yeah. part where he comes to the meeting. He's like, "What is this?" Yeah, it's like screaming. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I I actually think that that's most of what I don't like about the movie is Ed Harris being super intense all the time with no real explanation. I'm yeah. no, I don't want to get down on the film too much, but I'm like. His principles are never clearly laid out, but we're told that he is very principled. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of weirdly aggro and stubborn, but we don't entirely know. Like, he doesn't like capitalism, I'm assuming, yeah. is the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a collectivist yeah, society, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very strange thing. Uh, but, again... Full of moments that I liked. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, it, the cast is so big. And oh, everyone huge. And everyone kind of gets uh, a storyline. Yeah. Full story. Like. I love the character moments in this. Yeah. Like, Savini's um, girlfriend, the Grease Monkey girl. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, she's so good in this. Yeah. And she gets, like, she gets enough time to develop, enough time to have her story resolved. And her relationship with Tom Savini fully explored, mm-hmm. you know, um, without being just the girlfriend. Um, and I think there's a lot of that. You know, there's like the girl that gets picked up at the very beginning with that other dude. Uh, Julie Dean. Yeah. Um, yes. She sticks around and she's not just like a yappy girlfriend. I mean, she is to a certain extent, but it's also like she comes from an abusive house. She's running away from that and it has to go back to that. Yes. And yeah, it's just, so there, like there is depth to a lot of these people. Um, again, something I didn't expect and is kind of like why it has a two and a half hour runtime. The first time I watched it when he takes her back, I mean, this is one of the threads. Okay. We need to just lay out what the, the, Man, there's some crazy stuff happening outside my house right now. <laughs> okay. Um, we need to lay out what's uh, the, like, it's about Ed Harris leading this group, but the structure of the, the, the movie is basically like, it begins at like a full, you see almost like a full performance of a Renaissance fair and the story is happening um, within it with all these character moments as, the whole show is happening, which is mm. jousting on motorcycles and shit like that. And there's vendors. There's like a whole community and stuff. And it almost kind of reminded me of um, the first act of The Deer Hunter, where it's the wedding scene, and you just kind of learn about all the ca- Like, you get everything you need to know about the characters, but it's all centered around an event, and it moves with the event, the film mm, Okay. You know? So it's, it's uh, like, that's that's an event where everyone is together. And yeah. you can kind of like lay and then out. You find out about who every single person in the movie is, basically. Yeah. Opening 50 minutes of the of Night Riders <laughs> and the Deer Hunter, for that matter. But, yeah. It, and, and I should say that it is like 45, 50 minutes of this, like one location, one event uh, before everything. Like it really kind of sets everything in motion, but it is a long, like, you watch the whole battle thing that they're doing, the exhibition they're doing. Um, you know, you're in the audience with uh, Stephen and Tabitha King. As I say, we were just munching on a hoagie before we hit record. We were having a little King talk. I think there's yeah. going to be quite a bit of King talk 
overall before Maybe. all said and done with this podcast <laughs> in general. I mean, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. And he's, I don't know, like his, his cameos, like his attitude is kind of what I was expecting coming into this movie. And I'm wondering if that is like purposeful of him putting in that. He's like, kind of not good in this. Like I could do oh, without his cameo. He's like yeah. a slaw. He's like a yokel. Like he's like, mm-hmm. this didn't even look real. Or he's kind of <laughs> like, you know, he's I, like that guy who says wrestling isn't real, but it's yeah. about something that's happening before his eyes that is yeah. clearly real. So it's like, yeah, but those people do that. Like as someone who does pro wrestling commentating, uh, uh-huh. those people say that at wrestling show and at Renaissance fairs for like actual jousting, like having worked around both of those things. Yeah, like there is definitely that dude. Okay, <laughs> uh, who is just there watching it, and I'm like, how do you not get? In pro wrestling, that you can't fake picking up someone and throwing them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. there's no, like, there's ways to try and land more safely, but like, you still, in the end, are picking up a person and throwing them. Like, yeah. So, I mean, and those people are there. So, I wasn't that bothered by it, is my point. I've just lived yeah. through him. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it's also kind of like, I don't know. I, I get that when I mention pro wrestling to anyone and it's just like, well, I mean, you, you go watch a movie, right? You enjoy a, a movie. Isn't it's like a movie. Like those pro actors are is. Robert Downey Jr. Is in the Iron Man suit, but yeah. he's not really Iron Man. He's pretending to be Iron Man for your amusement. Like, um, that's it. But also the weird thing about this movie is that it's not just like a medieval times, you're the entertainment while you eat your dinner. It's like these are actual competitions to, and if something goes one way, Ed Harris is no longer the king. Somebody else is the king. Yeah, there's a level of reality that he brings to it that yeah. makes it what a culty type thing, for sure. Yeah. So he's also like protecting his own position within this organization. Um, and I think that's where a lot of tension comes from uh, is the Tom Savini character who is kind of within the act of the show is kind of the villain, villainous competing, the guy who's always after the crown. The Black Knight, yeah. But he's also in reality after the crown. Um, and this causes, because he's like, we need to take the show in another direction where we can make money. We got this offer from this agent. They want to yeah. put us on television. That's the thing um, that separates it though. It's like, he's not, uh, Harris is not trying to be a king. Like it's not, it's, it is kind of a dictatorship in a way. I mean, there's like the round table or whatever the fuck they have the discussions. Yeah. But yeah. His, his principles are that we should keep this DIY, we should do this for ourselves, we should mm-hmm. never do it, we should do it for money, but never do it, like, we should get paid, but never do this for money, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, what we see in the film, eventually, Savini and a couple other people branch off with this sleazy agent and this lady, and they sell out, and it's like a joke, you know, or yeah. whatever. And. It's just not, they kind of realize that like, oh, this isn't, they're all, because everybody's getting high, basically, on performing. Yeah. That's sort of what, it's 
I love it. I love movies that are about creativity and art and performance <laughs> and about how that is like the ultimate meaning of life is to like yeah. to do things like that, you know? And then the also this movie involves community and friend it's all about a lot about friendship and honor and stuff. Fuck, this movie rocks. But it's yeah, also medieval bears and stuff. <laughs> but it's like Savini's character, he he like he realizes, and the rest of his crew also realize, who go off and sign off with, the, like, the friar and the rest of the Savini's team. Great and character, they're, too. They're starting to get, like, cut out of, like, the TV production, and they realize it's, like, all Savini. And Savini's realizing that, too. And they all kind of collectively decide, hey, this, this isn't the right way. We're better together. Uh, and they all go back together. Um you know, instead of where in another movie, Savini would go on his own, all yeah. those guys would go back, and it would be Savini alone at the end facing Ed Harris. And um, the, the movie at the end, it's like a repeat of the beginning where it's the full competition, but there's mm-hmm. no one watching. It's just for yeah. them, which rules. Yeah. It's not even for money or any. It's just for honor. Yep. <laughs> it, it rules. It, it, here's... Here's, I think, uh, I totally get Savini's character. That agent sucks. Um, yes. What I don't quite grasp about Ed Harris's character, like, I don't think he should have gone with that agent, but I, I don't understand entirely his decision that he doesn't want to take it to the next level in any way. Like, he's just like, right here, we're good. And I'm like, <laughs> you could have negotiated with that. It just... It feels weird. Also, I will say the one thing I've never met like a Carney or a Rennie who wouldn't have just paid off the cop in the beginning. Uh, yeah. Not that person is not real in my life. Uh, we're all just paying off the cops. Well, it turns out we're like, fuck it, get away. I thought they implied. So that bugged me. Yeah. But I thought they implied that they had paid the sheriff off and this was the deputy coming for his own paycheck. And he was like, no, dude, we've paid the cops off already. No, they got they paid like the legal permitting fees and everything. They did all the uh, the, okay. the the legal stuff that they actually had to do. Okay, fair and enough. then this other cop was coming. But even in that scenario, I feel like the type of people I know who work in industries like that would just be like, "Here's five hundred bucks. Go fuck yourself." Like yeah. that's uh, which is which is maybe bleak on my part. But I was like, "What's going on?" But it yeah. did create a cool plot point, I guess. So you know. I mean, it got us that ending that yeah, was yeah. so it felt, satisfying. It's that thing in screenwriting or whatever where at some point your character has to make a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was not a plausible bad decision, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was that was probably where that was where like my first issue came in with the film. I was like, I don't know that this is the bad decision. And I felt like at that point, the guy's morals hadn't been explained enough. Like that yeah. was being used to explain them, but I you you hadn't gotten a why I don't know. I, I don't know. like that. He he was clearly like a stubborn dude. Yes. Um you know, going and battling when he shouldn't have been. Uh there's a line should have been yeah. He and says, so like, I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm fighting the dragon. That's his explanation of what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, so, of course, I totally saw him not paying that guy off when everyone was telling him that, hey, man, just do it, and we're cool. Um, 
you know, that's whatever morality he has, that's part of it. You know, just kind of showing you who he is. But I totally was like, yeah, that's he's not going to do that. Um, yeah. No matter how much trouble I, I it's going to cause. I was surprised that that was his character's choice. I will say the other thing that bothered me early on was like, how old is Julie Dean supposed to be? And then I was like, oh, this was made in 1981. We were not casting young people to play young characters at that point. I will let this slide. <laughs> I mean, how like how how much earlier did Grease come out, where yeah. everyone's like 30 years old? Yeah. Um, very, very much so. Well, the thing about Ed Harris though, and his inability to compromise, is that it'll. Like, he says, there's some line, I wish I would have, like, taken serious notes, but I was just so, like, blown away by this movie while I was watching it. I just couldn't, I just watched it, you know, but um, there's some line about, like, I can't let you walk on my ideals, you know? It's just mm -hmm. like, no matter what I do, if I do this, if I, if I allow, like, and I liked... Okay, one of the parts where I was turning against him, believe it or not, is when the dude pulls a joint out and he's like, when we get back to camp, don't bring that, that shit over back or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, man, fuck you, Ed Harris. But earlier in the movie, okay, what happens is they don't pay the cop off, and then later, when it's all done, he shows up, searches this dude's trailer, and he finds weed. And um, so the dude's in the trailer and the cop's walking out and Ed Harris is walking. I think his name is Billy, right? And he's like, mm -hmm. it's just a plant Billy, like from behind. Talk about great shots in this movie. You know, he's like behind the sheriff in the trailer. I don't know. It's just, it's wonderful the way they sh this movie looks. Um, and just so real. It feels, it just feels, mm -hmm. it's a good movie. I, I know I keep saying that. It's useless to just keep saying that. But um, he's like, it's just a plant Billy. And he goes, I know, man like over the cop's shoulder to him. It's like, I was just like right on Ed Harris. But then I think <laughs> the reason why he's like, don't bring that shit back is because it's like, it's just a liability, man. And like, it's going to fuck mm -hmm. up. Like, I honestly don't care. You can smoke it right now in front of me. And like, who gives a shit? Uh, but like, yeah, it's just like, it's a liability. And it's going to fuck up our fare or what that we're yeah. doing here. And so it's not worth it. You know, I think that's what he's saying. But yeah, he won't. Oh, let's say he doesn't want to pay off the cost because then he has to pay everybody off. Then it it just changes things and it gets away from what they're doing. You know, I don't know. I I loved it. So let's let's talk about as far as liabilities go. Let's talk about one scene okay, in particular yeah. where <laughs> a, a motorcycle goes flying into the audience, and smacks a woman. And they don't really. I like thought with it like killed her. It looks like it killed her. Yeah. And then later on, they're like, hey, yeah, it turns out she's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, regardless of whether or not she's going to be okay, you allowed a motorcycle to, like, like hit someone in the face and jump over a baby. In what world does no one grab? Like, I understand that she was the mom and the baby was far away, but in what world does no one grab that baby? Come on. Like, yeah. if I'm sitting next to a baby and they're like, I, I, a stranger, will grab the baby. Like, yeah. Just, Probably shouldn't be a baby there in front row anyway. I mean, so. listen, work at a Renaissance fair and see all the things that children see that they shouldn't. Like. Well, that's one of the things. Talk, I mean, you're talking about liabilities and stuff, but that's part of the, like, you can't change. That's part of what it is. You know, it's a, it's a dangerous, there's an element yeah. of danger to it. And I guess... Audiences, I mean, yeah. 
You know what it reminded me of uh, is I recently watched the documentary on HBO about Adventure Park, uh, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, this." Yeah. What is Adventure it's Park? The it's the it's the it's Action that, Park. Action Park. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's this park that existed. It was like a theme park with water slides and stuff, uh, and there were a million injuries. Um, I mean, it's so bad that several decades later, since it's been closed, there's a documentary on HBO about wow. it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a movie like, uh, with Johnny Knoxville, too, like a dramatization. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, there's, oh, is that Adventureland? No, I think it's called no. Action Park. Action Park? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, but Class Action Park is what you're talking about. Yes, Class Action Park. Yes, yes mm. the name of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of like the spirit of that kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I've been to places that weren't safe, that were for entertainment. So <laughs> I, I get it. I get why that happened uh, with the motorcycle. But I was like, someone would have grabbed this baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I mean, Randy can attest to this, but the State Fair of Oklahoma, which is like kind of attended by everyone, it's just kind of like a thing that you go to unlike, and there's nothing really like it here in, in the Bay area. Cause it's like, you have, you know, the Alameda County fair or something has all the same stuff, but it, it is not as big like uh, of an event. Like I've never been to the Alameda County fair, but there's also like the Marin County fair. And there's so many like areas that have their kind of County fair. We also state- have County fairs here too. Anyway, I, I mean, but county fair in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. I've, I've done some fair work. Uh, as meant, this is a real personal dive into my life that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but I love going to county fairs and just seeing weird shit go down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, There's and, always like some third tier country musician who you're like, oh, I recognize this one song. Uh, yeah. And it's a great time. Mm-hmm. And But the whole county is driving to a place, getting drunk and driving back. Uh, not the greatest idea in the world. Well, but, in, in this case, it's like. Various parts of the state are coming in. Yeah, uh, to the OKC State Fair. Yeah, to the to the OKC area, and um, I mean, it could. I mean, it would always get rowdy. I know they cleaned it up somewhat, but I when I was a kid, it was like rowdy. Um, fights, and my dad was like work trash duty on that every year, mm-hmm. so he would always like, yeah, some guy got his throat cut. <laughs> Two girls went missing, whatever. Okay, wait. Can I go on a little brief aside real yeah. quick? Just a trip down memory lane. I once went to the state fair. It must have been 93. Whatever. I'll tell you in a second. It'll date it. But you know those rides where you all sit in like theater type seats, but they move and shit? Yes. And they have like the Star Wars one at MGM or probably at Disneyland too. <laughs> but um, they had one of those at the state fair for RoboCop 3. Holy shit. And in that one, he has a jetpack, and you also have a jetpack and fly around fucking <laughs> oh, man. Delta City with um, RoboCop and shit. And that shit just was like one of the most mind-blowing fucking things. I think it cost like 20 bucks or something. It was like we really had to beg to get to do oh, it. Oh, man. And okay, here, it was here's like my idea. Best money ever you, we ever my dad ever spent on my childhood was riding that RoboCop three ride. Fucking ruled. Anyway, here we go. Here's an idea for an attraction: the interactive Night Riders experience, where you oh. sit on a motorcycle that moves you around and you're like riding alongside Ed Harris and Tom Savini. 
And they're like, come on, we need you to, to, to grab a, a melee weapon and protect the king. Dude, this would be a legit awesome RPG game. Like, they're coming right for you. It's your job to fight them off. It's like a motors. Like, oh. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think... One of the things, one, that's great, Will. I love it. Uh, one of the things I want from this film is almost for it to be a little more, like, alternate universe Yeah. Uh, in which, like, this is just a legit thing. Uh, like, there are competing uh, uh, motorcycle yeah. night, like... Yeah, they're all over the place. They're hanging out in the Thunderdome. I don't know. Uh, like, it's just, like, that's that would almost, like, heighten this movie for me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think it would be a, I think that would be, a, I think this movie would be a great ride. Uh, and there are, um, there are some pretty fun, the, the early on motorcycle sequence with all like the jumps and everything where mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, punch the, the guy who ends up with Pip, uh, later in the movie, uh, spoilers, I guess, whatever people are listening to this podcast, they know it's full of spoilers. No, you can just talk about the movie freely for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh. But yeah, I loved when he was like laying down between the ramps and letting people jump over him. And just like that scene was just pure fun uh, for me. I just thought that was one of the best scenes in the movie because it was just it was just purely like it was. I feel like if you saw the poster for the movie, that is the scene that you were just going to see based off the poster. You're like medieval dudes on motorcycles (laughs) doing cool shit here we go i mean you can't you can't walk out of this movie and say that like i went in expecting to see medieval jousting on motorcycles and i barely got any medieval jousting on motorcycles there's there's plenty of (laughs) motorcycles in this movie a lot so yeah a lot considering they only really go to two places in the movie there are two shows they're in like rural pennsylvania for like the whole movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) they go to two towns (laughs) uh yep yep they have a parade in one i love uh, that they had a parade uh because i remember i when i worked at the renaissance fair in minnesota i worked at the minnesota renaissance oh what up everyone (laughs) shout out to the king stocks um i locked people up and insulted them for a living what a great time um sounds but uh Hopefully one of your listeners uh, sometime between, I don't know, 2000 and 2005 or six, I forget when I stopped doing it, uh, was locked up and insulted by me uh, <laughs> at the Minnesota Renaissance Fair and some skinny gay guy locked you up and insulted you. It's me. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, but uh, uh, I lost my total train of thought. But yeah, I did. I did love that there was a lot of medieval jousting. Oh, uh, we were talking about the parade. Uh, oh, the Oh, yeah. People do that. That's like a real promotional thing that you'll do. I never did it when I worked Ren Fair, but other people who worked the fair would go and like hand out stuff. Uh, the amusement park I worked for uh, did that. I did that in parades for them a lot. We'd go mm. give out. It'd basically be this like mystery ticket where you'd get a free, you'd get like one free ride or a day pass or like maybe a year long pass. It was like 98% of them were one free ride or whatever. Maybe 10% were a day pass. Hell yeah. Were, were you dressed up as SpongeBob for, for these parades? No, uh, I was just wearing my... Usually SpongeBob might be like walking in the center and then those of us in like the uniform shirts uh, would go out and, and hand out the tickets and SpongeBob would just be waving from wherever maybe. Um, or Blue from Blue's Clues would go. Uh, kind of yeah. depends on the demographic you were trying to get. Sometimes you couldn't... It was Licensing stuff was weird about who could appear at a parade and when, but... Well, You're the only other person I know in comedy who has been a costume character. 
so <laughs> so but speaking of uh kitty stuff i just before we i feel like we're getting close to going to the wrap-up i wanted to bring up my favorite part of this movie which at the very beginning this little boy comes up to and harris he has a, like a motorcycle magazine and he's like will you sign this mister he's like he couldn't be like a cuter little kid you know and then harris is like Looking at the magazine, he's like, what is this? He's like looking at like the people that work with him and he's like <laughs> clearly angry. Yeah. And they're like, it's the interview you did or whatever. They like mentioned something and he's like, what? And he's like, he looks at the little boy and he's like, he's just so serious. And he's like, this isn't, I'm not going to sign this. This is like evil Knievel. This yeah. isn't what I'm doing. And it's just like, it's so honest. It must have felt so crushing and harsh to that kid, but... He's just being so earnest with this little boy. It's, I was like, I was like rolling. I thought it was super funny and crazy. And then Tom Savini is like, hey, let me sign it, you know? And the little boy's like, that's cool. But then at the end of the movie, I had, I never would have in a million years dreamed that they would wrap it up, let alone wrap it up so beautifully. He walks into a school. Well, how did during he know? The, during the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. He, he, he interrupts the Pledge of Allegiance. Is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He does. He walks in and hands the boy his sword and then just walks out. And it's like, I like, I really, I had like tears streaming down my face. It was just like, it was a, it's just such a pure, beautiful moment in a movie. And that's right after he also, the cop from the beginning who after he's jailed and the cop beats the shit out of his friend and he's like, I will annihilate you. Or he's like screaming something at him. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the movie, he just shows up at a, a fast food restaurant and beats the shit out of the cop and everybody cheers. And it, the fight goes on way longer than you'd think it would. And it's like way the, more the brutal cop, and cruel than you'd think it would be. The cop pulls his gun out, drops it, and then Ed Harris throws it into the deep fryer. Yes. And then continues to just kick his ass. And then the, the whole the whole restaurant is like, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they all know what an asshole that. Dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I think Rom Romero's ahead of the game in terms of in inclusivity, like in his casting and his storylines even. You know, I am curious, uh, what, did, what did you think about the the gay subplot in this. Uh, I liked it. I, I didn't know why they were like coming down, like why his friend was coming down so hard on him. Yeah. Uh, I was like, settle down lady. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. I also, I was surprised that someone who, um, I, I liked it. I was surprised that Pip, the character wouldn't be willing to acknowledge it. Uh, but that's mostly based on like when I got to, there's a lot of gay guys who do Ren Faire, a lot of queer people. Um, and I think, especially for the people who were like a couple generations older than me that had done it, they were like out gay people before people were out at the uh -huh. Renaissance Fair. And one of the reasons that they did that was because they could at the Renaissance Fair. Um, it was just an environment in which at least behind the scenes, it was okay to do that. So it attracted people who wanted to be out. So him being a guy who didn't necessarily know what he was doing didn't real, really feel that accurate to me, but he got there. Um, you know, he hooked up with that cute gesture guy with that nice beard. <laughs> yeah. Um, into it. Good for them. 
And then I liked all the scenes with them hanging out. It's just like these guys seem yeah. like they're having a good time. And like I liked yeah, that Romero spent time with them on that that subplot, you know? That was cool. Yeah, I and I think if it were made now, they would have had a makeout scene. Uh and they didn't because it was 1981. Yeah. Um so I think George Romero was getting away with as much as he knew he could with yeah. that. Yeah. Um so it felt very of the time, uh, but not necessarily accurate to what I I what my experience would be. Uh, of knowing people like that. But I still thought it was good. I thought it was well done. Um, it was nice to see him there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being the announcer. So, yeah. Uh, costuming, also very good. Uh, enjoyed the costuming on uh, a lot of the side characters. I thought I, it was well made. I completely agree. I think the world was so fully realized. Like, yeah, down mm-hmm. to costumes and just the the way they lived and stuff. When they showed their quarters. Like, they showed mm-hmm. inside of his trailer and that other guy's trailer and stuff. And they even get down to like when they're having the meeting and these, they're like, they have the merch guys, like the guys who sell the jewelry and stuff or like in on the meeting, they get their own little beat and they quit, mm-hmm. you know, because he comes in like a fucking maniac. He's like bleeding. He apparently has like a broken neck or something. Yeah. He's just like Alf. He's like such an alpha, like unstoppable force. That that can't even stop. He must be in like insane pain, you know, like yeah. throughout the whole movie. And then at the end, he dies. It's like, yeah. I thought the death scene, he envisions himself as a knight on a horse. And then he gets hit like a by a truck, like fucking Immortan Joe or the Mad Max character, Mad Max mm-hmm. 1. It's like the same way. Then he, yeah. he like hits the front of a semi. Yeah. Good stuff. Wow. Love it. Honor. Love it. Why don't we go ahead and take a break <laughs> and then come back with the big roundup? Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. All right, we're back with the big roundup. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Wonder Dave, on a scale of one to five stars, how many stars would you give Night Riders? 
Uh, I'm going to disappoint both of you and say that I give it three stars. Three stars. Uh, uh, three stars. Fun ensemble cast. Uh, uh, definitely a great cinematography. Um, I just, I, I found it, it had a main character that was just really hard to get behind for me. Um, and that, uh, also, like, there was a lot of, like, weird, it's really hard. It's supposed to be kind of a dramedy, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really hard to do well, and it, like, gets so close to doing it well at certain points, and even does at certain points. But then, like, I think usually dramedies fail on the comedy end, and I feel like this one failed a little bit on the drama end for mm. me sometimes. Um, so, feel so, yeah, that, but, yeah. But, uh, but honestly, like, a pretty enjoyable film. Uh, clock's in way longer than you expect it to, but I kind of liked that about it. Uh, I was like, oh, we do get time to know all these characters and stuff, so it doesn't feel like... Uh, there's no loose threads. Uh, the ending is fun. It just didn't quite get there for me. Um, Tom Savini's great, though. Uh, and just the ensemble cast as a whole is really fun. So, yeah, three stars. Cool. Uh, which, uh, by the way, on my scale, is a good movie. Yeah, uh, that's three stars yeah, are high I, for Will. I, it's I I feel like it's good, but it's it's definitely not very good or great. Like three stars yeah. is good, four star would be very good, five stars is great. Right? Yeah. Yep. So so yeah, good, not great. Yep. Uh, Randy, what is your rating of this movie? Well, fellas, I think you you know where I'm going with this. Anyone who's listening <laughs> to this podcast knows that I. I'm not. I'm not afraid of giving something a high rating or a really low rating occasionally, you know. And for me, all right. I think I, previously on Letterbox, I had this rated at like two and a half stars based on how I remembered it when I was like 26. I hate when people. I have a couple. I have one friend in particular that has all these super harsh opinions about certain movies. Big movies that we all want to talk about. Can't bring him up without him interjecting the same opinion we've heard for literally like 10 years. It's like, yeah, buddy, you got to watch this movie again. I know that you haven't seen it since you were like 25, you know? Yeah. Watch freaking how, okay, Halloween is it? <laughs> He's going to know who I'm talking about now. <laughs> but yeah, if you do, think about it, bro. Watch it again. Anyway, so this, I had it rated at two and a half stars. Watching it again. To me, I felt like the length was completely earned. It wrapped up everything beautifully. I like movies about characters who are uncompromising, who stick to their principles and their code and stuff. And I know it is a little bit like, especially the first time I watched it, is like, what is, what are his, what is his code? You know, it was a lot more clear to me this time watching. It. I think it'd be even more clear watching it again. I mean, he's just basically like he's doing it uh for the love of the game, you know, for the love of performance and art and stuff. And I it's I would rank this movie up there with Sick, The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan's Supermasochist and Naked Lunch, Cronenberg's Naked Lunch is all time great movies about um making art, you know to live even if it kills you, you know, and mm -hmm. that's exactly what happens in this movie. I, I thought it was great. So alongside the baby of McCone and powwow highway, I will now award night riders five stars, big five stars. Uh, wonderful. This one, um, normally I would give this 
maybe a three to three and a half. Um, but the second time watching it, I just realized I'm like, man, there's, I've not seen a movie like this before. Uh, not only just the subject matter, it's tackling like who the hell makes a movie like this, but the way that they were able to make a very interesting story out of that, out of motorcycle jousting. Um, and for that alone, it was, it was very much a passion project of, uh, George Romero's. And for that alone, I think it, it deserves, uh, to be bumped up a little bit. So I'm going to give this one four stars. Hell yeah. Um, so just because it's unique, it's not one that I think you can just kind of like stumble into. Um, you need to be ready for what it's presenting to you. And if you kind of like let it, um, it's very, very good. But if you're expecting a goofy uh, motorcycle jousting movie, which it can be at times, mm-hmm. uh, it's just not, you know, it's, that's not all it is. You got to be ready for the rest of it as well. So uh, it can be very enjoyable if you uh, approach it that way. But um, yeah, you might not get that the first time watching it. So, yeah. Uh, four stars uh, is super high for you. And yeah, yeah. I feel like we're on the same page on this one, you know? Yeah. Sometimes your three-star rating of Pow Wow Highway still offends me deeply, you know? That's a good movie. That's that's a movie <laughs> I would recommend to people. I recommend three stars to people. Um, <laughs> I say watch that. I gave it three stars. It's great. Um, yeah, I feel like for me, a three stars is like, read up on the film a little. See if this is something you might be into because it's not you. for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of it. Like two and a half, I'm like, you got to be really kind of like, seeking this out and if you really want to go there one star i'm like don't even mess with it but like even a two and a half star for me is like you you might want to check it out i was close to two and a half on this one but it there were enough things about it that it earned the full three stars for me yeah yeah that's why i bumped it up to four too it's just kind of like it's it's doing enough it's going out of its way to kind of try something new and i'm like okay i respect that well what do we got Uh, for recommendations Recommendations. Wonder Dave, do you have any recommendations based on this? Anything this reminded you of? Anything people should uh, seek out? Yeah, actually, uh, two things I'm going to recommend right now, uh, if you enjoyed this movie. Um, one, I, I mentioned it already. Uh, I definitely think the spirit of this film, wildly similar to Class Action Park, the documentary. Uh, I think people should check it out. It feels like a more realistic version because the Ed Harris guy uh, of that documentary is a dude who's just a piece of shit who wants to make money. Um, so it's in many ways the opposite of this film. Uh, just a wild and lawless land that entirely wants you to lean into capitalism and be left alone. Uh, but definitely, like, uh, something tonally about it is just the same for me. Um, and then, uh, because uh, I I said that I thought Ed Harris was maybe a little disappointing in this for me, um, although you do get to see his butt. I didn't mention that. So a young Ed Harris butt mm. sounds great. Um, so a lot of a lot of shirtless Ed Harris, whatever. Um, <laughs> he looks great. He's lady. balding and he looks great. I think his balding yeah, he's, looks he's cool. A beautiful man in this film. Indeed. Very attractive. Good on him. <laughs> um, but uh, you want to see some Ed Harris from the 80s uh, that I actually recall enjoying a lot. I think I might rewatch it. Uh, the Abyss. Oh, uh, yeah. I loved The Abyss. Uh, so. Yeah. So check out Ed Harris and the Abyss and check out Class <laughs> Action Park. Those feel like the two things that I want people to see after this movie. <laughs> uh, Randy, what do you got as far as uh, recommendations? Well, go on, on the one? Ed Harris front, I'm going to go ahead and recommend 
Alex Cox's Walker. I think that's one of my all-time favorite. Well, we may do that one eventually someday on here. That's got to be on Criterion Channel. It's released by Criterion. Uh, and The Abyss, I'll definitely second. I, I mean, I love Ed Harris. He's in this movie. He's also in um, Creep Show. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. like, we didn't mention uh, Inforey. Pip is in Creep Show, too. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Ken Forey from uh, Dawn of the Dead is Little John, and he's like the weapons guy in Night mm-hmm. Riders. And so, yeah. But um, I would, I already said um, Naked Lunch, Sick. I think Sick, The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan, Super Masochist. It's, it's a really difficult movie to watch, but it's so moving and beautiful like at the same time and it's a very special different different kind of movie but it does have a lot of cock and ball torture and he uh, yeah he hits a nail into the head of his penis and it can't watch it can't do it's it it's got some things in it and he died I know. in the movie yeah uh, yeah he doesn't he wanted he his stipulation was to die on film but he's like dying and it cuts, and then there's him dead in the bed while his partner, wow. lover, like, takes photos of him because they made art together involving cock and ball torture at S&M and stuff. It's, very yeah. inter- it's a very interesting movie. He's battling cystic fibrosis, and so yeah. he does that kind of stuff to like, take control of his life. I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting movie. And so I thought about that movie a lot while I was watching Knight Rider's. And I recommend it, although not to Will, I guess. it's. <laughs> yeah, I, I've known about that movie for a long time, and I just have never brought myself to watch it, just knowing what's in it. Um, so on that front, my, my recommendations are a little bit lighter. Uh, I've recommended this one before, but I think it is totally within the spirit of this, and it's one that Randy and I talk about a lot, and that is Wayne's World. Um, it's all about believing in the thing that you're doing, and not selling out. Um, That's a great fucking example, dude. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, it comes up a lot because I think the movies that I pick have that message, which is something that I really respect. Um, and when I can find that, you know, I think Wayne's World is a big budget movie that really has that um, message at its heart. Uh, and I think it's one that's popular enough that a lot of people can watch and you can just talk to people about it. Uh, if you want a little bit more obscure uh, that has the same spirit and message, there's a movie called uh, the, the Wizard of Speed and Time by a guy named Mike Jitlove. He was a special effects guy, an animation guy, and he made this movie around uh, around 87, I think. Um, you can get it for Torrent. He released it on Torrent um, and says it's okay because there's no real official release. But it's a fantastic movie, even if it has some anti-union messages that I don't agree with. Um, but it's about making your own movie and your own thing uh, on your own terms. And it's uh, fantastic. Uh, so if you're looking for something a little weird um, that kind of matches the spirit, Wizard of Speed and Time. Hell yeah. Wonderful. I've never even heard of The Wizard of Speed and Time, so that sounds I've, cool. I found it when I worked at a video store, so I kind of was like, wow, what the hell is this? And it has fans, um, which is also kind of weird. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like low on everyone's radar. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that about wraps it up uh, for this episode. Uh, Wonder Dave, 
anything you want to promote, uh, bear in mind this episode may come out in a couple months. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, nothing will have changed. Uh, yep. I'm at Team Wonderdave, T-E-A-M Wonderdave on all the social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can follow Nerd Rage The Great Debates, uh, which uh, Will and I work on that. And you can catch Randy on an episode of it now, actually. It'll have come out this month. Maybe, now. maybe. Yeah. Maybe last month. Maybe last month. Whatever. It was a uh, Halloween uh, episode. Yeah. Yep. Randy will be judging two Halloween episodes. Spooky times. Um, but yeah, just follow me on social media. Uh, find me online, wonderdave.org, because I am an organization. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's that news. Check out all my stuff. Cool. Uh, Randy, anything new with you as of this recording? Oh, you know, I have no idea. My band is on the Flenser at this point. God willing, I'm recording a score to a movie maybe. And we have Sweet. announced that we're doing it. I don't know. Who cares? It, I'm not going to say what it is. It's just some local movie, but it's exciting and fun. Who knows if this is coming out in November? Are we going to have like a new president by the time Night Riders come uh, out? I don't know, man. We well, as have- of this recording, like just days before this recording occurred, the president has gone to the hospital. Um, so by the time this airs, we'll know the results of that and the results of the election, probably. But a lot, some shit, so much horrible horrors can happen between now and then. Yeah. yeah. So who knows so, where we'll be, but everybody be good to each other. I hope, you know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can, with, by the time this one comes out, we can be like, boy, we sure were scared. And thankfully nothing bad happened. But now we, we live on the roads as nomads, <laughs> still releasing podcasts somehow. Yeah, we're, we do podcast on motorcycles um, at each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, great. Um, with me, as Dave mentioned, uh, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates, uh, every Monday. Check a new episode out. Uh, Randy was on at the end of October. Um, but other, other than that, we're still putting shit out every week. Over 100 episodes, live stuff. Uh, Check it out. Uh, Subdoc for documentary reviews. Uh, we just did The Vow uh, with Johnny Pemberton, who's been on television. Um, and uh, The Vow is crazy if you haven't watched it. It's on HBO. So check that out. Uh, we will have put out many other episodes since uh, by the time this comes out. Uh, but yeah, check out this show every week. Uh, write to us. Find us on Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Randy, uh, I'll close this out by saying goodbye, and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Goodbye to you, too, sir. And thank you, Wonder Dave, for being here. Goodbye. Goodbye.